Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, A Journey of Spiritual Transformation. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham, and today I am joined by Roxanne Chapu. She is the founder and chief executive officer of Roxanne Chapu Limited, and she is a life and love coach and inspirational speaker, a spiritual guide, and an energy healer. She guides individuals in transition to create lasting, sustainable changes in their lives. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what all that means and what that looks like. She has a really cool purpose to provide safe and powerful place for people to discover the answers they need to move forward spiritually, energetically, personally, with absolute purpose and clarity. Her guiding belief in this power of self-awareness is that the fuel for personal growth and self-mastery, this allows people to make positive changes and find their happiness and create, get this guys, soul-filled life at a cellular level, cellular level, say that five times real fast. (laughs) (laughs) The proven tools and techniques, people are able to discover their higher selves, their truest desires and manifest the life of their dreams. So this is like a really tall order, but I know because she's got the angel wings and her whole website has butterflies all over it. So I'm totally resonating and I really like her already. So everybody, please help me welcome, welcome Roxanne. Roxanne, hello. Thank you for joining me on Butterfly Kisses today. Hello. Thank you for having me, Amy. I can't wait to have our conversation see where this goes. So tell us, how did you get into soul-filled work? Soul-filled work. Oh my goodness. So ever since I was a little girl, I just had this deep knowingness inside of me that I was being called to elevate. I felt like I was going to serve humanity at a very great level. I just didn't fully comprehend the messaging that was being sent to me. And I was always very receptive to energy and I was always able to provide guidance, even as a little girl, like adults would come to me for wisdom to just feel calmness within my energy and ask me or tell or share their whole life story with me. And this was happening when I was like five or six years old. And this happened throughout my entire life. And I remember asking my family and my friends, you have this burning feeling that you're meant and you're being called to do something more. And they're like, no, I don't know what you mean. It didn't resonate with them. They're like, well, I'm going to be a lawyer or a doctor. I'm like, well, that's amazing. But you have like this burning feeling that you're going to do something great in this world. And nobody really could understand that. So I thought maybe it was just something within me that maybe I had thought up or, you know, you just, you don't really fully understand. But the feeling inside of me was like this deep knowingness. I couldn't shake it throughout my entire life. And I just remember going through an incredible journey. I went through so many trials and tribulations, so super unhealthy relationships, unhealthy marriage, where I ended up leaving with my three beautiful children at the time. And shortly after, I experienced four near-death experiences. And before this time, throughout my entire life, I was always referred to as an old soul or an angel. I worked at a cancer center for over 13 years, and most of my patients were palliative, And a lot of them was a pediatric population and a younger adolescent population and their parents and them and like elders that were passing would always refer to me as their angel. And they would share their whole life story with me. And they would ask me to almost transition them 
into the next stage of where their energy was going and where their life was going. And I always just thought this was something that everyone did. I didn't understand that these were my gifts. I didn't understand that this was kind of the ineptabilities that I had within me. I just thought everybody did this for everyone. I thought everyone nurtured everyone and provided that solace for them. And it wasn't until a little bit later in life, I, I started working in a, as an executive at a local college. And it was an incredible experience, incredible community. However, I just didn't feel fulfilled, but I wasn't being honest with myself. And after my first near-death experience, we had went over a cliff. And I just remember thinking, like my whole life flashed before my eyes. And when we came out of the cliff alive, I just remember saying to myself, I tell myself I'm happy all the time. I'm always positive. I'm always uplifting others, but I am, I am not fulfilled. I am not happy. Something isn't right. Something is not in alignment. And that's when I really started embarking on my own self-soul mastery journey. And by going through that, I want to preface when I was young, I always was receptive to energy and I do come from an indigenous background. So here in Canada, I am native and French, which is a culture called Métis. And I didn't know that I had stemmed from a lineage of shamans. I just thought that I was always felt that I was being called to my traditions. I always felt that I was being called to learn my ancestry. However, we never really spoke of it in our family because of all the history that has happened with Canada and the Indigenous population. A lot of people who weren't or who didn't seem to be Native didn't disclose that they were Native out of fear and out of judgment or out of stigma that was like transpiring throughout Canada. So I always had this nudge, but I couldn't, I, I just felt like I was stuck. I couldn't proceed with it. And I remember as I was going through my journey, after my last near-death experience, I had this incredible dream and I do dream interpretations. And I had this incredible dream of this for almost four months straight of this beautiful indigenous woman. And the connection to her in my dream was that she was my great grandmother, like descent. She, she was so loving, so warm. And she was standing in front of this ravina and she had teepees beside her and she had her arms extended to me and she kept chanting me this song. And this song was so melancholy. It was so peaceful. It made me feel so love. And I just like an inner peace within me. It was just such an incredible experience. And I couldn't understand what she was trying to tell me. I, I was trying to piece it together. I'm like, okay, she's showing me the land. Like, am I supposed to go to this land? What am I supposed to do here? <laughs> I didn't fully understand. And I had connected with an incredible elder from my community who is a shaman. And so elders here in the indigenous culture are the ones that carry the wisdom, that carry the wisdom of the land, the medicines of the traditions of everything. So our elders are very special here in our indigenous cultures. And I was speaking to him and I was telling him of my dream and I was singing him the chant that she was singing to me. And he said, oh my goodness, he's like, she's calling you to the land. She's calling you to come and heal. And he's like, that song hasn't been heard in healing circles for over a hundred years. He's like, my great grandfather and grandfather used to chant that to me, but not in healing circle format. But it's almost like she did a different rendition for you. Like it's not the exact notes of the healing chant. And I was like, well, wow, what am I supposed to do with this? What, what am I doing with this? The answers will come to you. She'll come to you in vision state. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I wasn't a shaman yet. I didn't know I was a shaman. So then I had encountered this incredible spiritual guide who has helped over half a million people. And I, I just landed across her journey, across her path. 
and I was sharing my dream with her and the chant and she had no connection to the elder that had spoken to me in my dream prior and I told her my dream I like I say her the chant she's like oh she's calling you to the land she's calling you to the land to come and heal she's like you're meant to be a shaman you're meant to follow your tradition your ancestry you need to connect with your ancestry I'm like well where am I going how do I become a shaman what am I doing (laughs) someone give me you know a sign Mm -hmm. of something where am I going And so the dreams happened a little bit after that. And the last night that I had the dream, I woke up in the morning and I told my partner, I said, listen, I said, I'm being called to the land to come and heal. I know exactly where I need to go. And it's in the forest. And he's like, oh, okay. So you're going in the forest. It's pouring rain outside. There's bears, there's wolves. And you're going by yourself with no weapon, no protection. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I feel protected. He's like, just for my sanity, please bring something for your protection. So I go on this incredible journey. It's a two and a half hour drive there and I'm crying and I'm releasing and I'm reconnecting to my soul on this drive, just the drive there. And I haven't felt my emotions for so long because I went through so much trauma that I almost just felt like I needed to be strong. I think we're conditioned to feel like we have to be strong and not release our emotions. And I was just trying to teach my children that I was strong and that I was a rock. But really, I was just doing myself a disservice. And it's like I had this dagger in my heart and I didn't want to remove it because I knew if I removed that dagger that I would all my emotions would come flooding out. And I didn't even need to do anything for the dagger to be removed. It was like a complete release. And I'm crying and I'm chanting this song and listening to this incredible indigenous song that I've listened to since I was a little girl. And I'm crying my eyes out and it's pouring rain outside. And I get to this incredible forest and it's about a 15 to 20 minute trek in the forest. And I come across, and these are ancient healing grounds, indigenous healing grounds. And I'm feeling the vibration of the earth. Of the, it's close to like a body of water. I feel the water. I feel the trees. I feel the air. And I find this incredible rock. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is where I'm going to heal. I'm, I'm going to heal on this rock. It's a healing rock. And I'm sitting on this rock. And the rock was damp beforehand. So I know that it was exposed to, to the rain. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on this rock and I'm doing a smudging ceremony. So for those that don't know what smudging is, it's an ancient indigenous tradition where we do to cleanse energy, to purify our energy and to stabilize ourselves. And it's a very ceremonial and sanctimonial thing that we do. And I'm doing this ceremony on this rock and I'm looking, it's like a beautiful cliff in front of me, but like a drop cliff, like you could climb it if you really wanted to, but it was just so beautiful. And I'm crying, crying on this rock as I'm healing, but it was like a release. It was a happy cry. And all of a sudden I feel this incredible connection to my ancestry. It's like, I was reconnecting to all the elements, even fire. Cause I was smudging in front of me. It was such an incredible experience. All of a sudden a deer, a little bunny, there's a little chipmunk comes out. The chipmunk's like hanging out on the rock beside me. I have no food for him or her, but I'm not sure, but (laughs) then he just scurries off and there's hummingbirds flying from tree to tree. And I'm like, that's really bizarre because hummingbirds here don't usually fly when it's pouring rain. If it's drizzling, they will fly from tree to tree, but not when it's pouring rain. So I was just in awe. It was like, I was reconnecting to the animal kingdom. And it was like, so there was no words for it. It was no words to describe it. And I just remember thinking, Over this rock, there was no tree enclosures. There was no trees like covering the rock. And after almost four hours of being there, I was how am I not soaked? Not one single drop of rain hit me the entire time that I was sitting on this rock for 
almost four hours. Not one single drop of rain hit me the entire time. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then when I left that moment, I just knew, I knew that I had healed an aspect of myself. I was never the same. I had this inner peace within me. I knew exactly what my purpose was. I knew exactly what I needed to do. And there was no more wavering. There was no, my inner peace wasn't wavering from that point forward. My purpose never wavered. I never had any more self-doubt about my mission here on earth. I knew exactly what I was intended to do. And I told myself, I'm okay. I healed myself, but can I do this for others? So let's put my theory and my healing to the test. So I asked family and friends to be some guinea pigs because I don't want to bring something to others and it not be effective. And it did the exact same thing for them in their own, in their own way. And they were never the same after that journey. So I, then I knew I am a healer. So do you think that's your purpose in this lifetime? Yeah. My soul's mission is really to heal, love and awaken others. I feel that's my motto. That's my slogan. And I stay true to that. I know that's what my purpose is, is on earth. I am a light worker. I know that I'm here to shed light and love and peace to the world. And that's my way of doing it. What do you mean by awaken? Awaken is just meaning that so many people go through small awakening periods, but I think awaken in essence is really when we discover what we've been doing has never been in alignment with who we are. It's something that we felt that we should, or that we other kind of other people have maybe pre-placed those conditions or conformities on us. And I think that once we break down that narrative and understand that we have a greater purpose and we all have a greater purpose. We all have a purpose to serve humanity. It just depends in what way. And when we awaken to that realization, that's when we start embarking on an awakening journey. And awakenings doesn't just happen in one stage. We can have tons of awakening periods throughout our lifetime. It's like a self-mastery step. You're always going to be slightly awakening even further into your soul's essence. Peeling back the onion. Peeling back the onion to get to the sweet spot. Yep. Explain for those who don't understand or know what shamanism is. Can you tell us what it is in a nutshell? (laughs) Absolutely. So I'll give it a little bit of a broader overview. So shamanism has been around for over a hundred thousand years. It's a very ancient healing modality. And back in those years, it was considered like the medicine man, the medicine woman, the energy healer, the spiritual healer of the communities. And these communities were all over the world. Every community usually had a healer, had a shaman. We now know them as doctors, but back then there was no medical school. And these were the shamans that really affected healing at a cellular level and not just a medicinal level or a physical or emotional level. So shamanism, yeah, it's really about healing all four layers of our being, knowing that we have the emotional, we have the physical, we have the mental, and we have our spiritual and our spiritual meaning, our energetics, our soul. So when we talk about shamanism, shamanism is not spirituality. It's not what others deem it to be spirituality. It's not religion. It's not organized religion. It's all about connection to our own individual soul. What are some of the rituals or healings that shamans do to help people heal? Absolutely. So some shamans specialize in different healing modalities. For me, I have a little bit more of a broader, I do a little bit more of a little bit of everything. I do a lot of herbal healing. I do a lot of percussion, like 
musical like frequency healing, I put clients through trance. So if you think about neuro-linguistic programming or hypnotherapy, it's something very similar to that. However, we end up going at a soul level and the client is absolutely conscious of what's happening and they're fully aware of what's transpiring as they undergo this journey. So it just depends on the shaman. Some shamans will use herbal medicines in order to put their clients through a trance to do like a soul retrieval. Some will do percussion, like hitting a native drum, rattle. You can use Tibetan bowls, crystal bowls, anything to emit frequencies to affect our chakras or energy chakras. Do you believe, or do you feel like you are an earth angel? Yes, I know I am. I know that I come from a lineage of Archangel Michael that has been confirmed on countless occasions by different sources. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You have on your website, a certified forgiveness coach. What is that? That's a pretty cool (laughs) title. I like that. What, what do you do with that? Yeah. So when we think of forgiveness, it's not what most people seem to think it is. When we say that we forgive someone yet, we haven't released the emotions or the feelings that come with forgiveness. So it was very important for me as I do this work and mind you, energy healing and like the spiritual guidance and the shamanism is really like the preference of my work. The coaching came in as I want to be able to heal someone on all aspects. So from the emotional to the mental and not just the soulful level. So that's why it was important for me to understand all these different certifications and levels so that I'm able to then assist my clients to actually go through all of their journeys and not be at a standstill at one point. So for me to be able to transcend that knowledge to them. So when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness is understanding that we are all divine creatures. We are all divine beings. And if we think about the law of divine oneness and the universal laws and the guiding principles that happen with the law of attraction, when we hold hostility and we become powerless because we are holding on to non-forgiveness towards ourselves or towards others that you know, that have maybe have wronged us, we're really doing ourselves a disservice because we are never intended to hold those emotions. We should never be able to allow our emotions to fluctuate on somebody else's actions, if that makes sense. So when we release our power and we give our power to someone else, we then become powerless. And when we, when we hold on to like this resentment, this guilt, or this anger, It's like that incredible saying, it's like drinking poison and asking somebody else to die from it. There's no way that's ever going to happen. We may be holding on to something and that person has no even idea that there's hostility or resentment or guilt even still resonating within that other person. So when we talk about forgiveness, it's about understanding that we are all divine creatures. We are, we all make mistakes, right? We all have made mistakes and we wouldn't want to be crucified for one mistake that we've made throughout our entire life. So when we get beyond the thinking of the ego, the ego state, which the ego can serve us on so many levels, fight or flee, just thinking of how it protects us. But in essence, the ego does not serve us when it comes to us holding on to these toxic emotions within us. So we just have to be able to put our ego state aside and really allow ourselves to connect to the spiritual level of who we are. And understanding that we are all interconnected, we are all here having a physical experience, and we're all going to make mistakes as we undergo this incredible journey. When we forgive someone, does that mean that we have to necessarily be in relationship with that person ever again, or no. No. be around that person? No, just because we forgive someone doesn't mean that we have to then 
negate on our own self-boundaries and that are, that we have to be something that we're not. When we forgive someone, it's being able to release it for ourselves so that we're not holding that in imprisonment within us or holding that other person <laughs> in prison. Like how many people that I know and clients that I have had that their partner maybe was unfaithful or stepped out of the marriage Yet that person has to relive it every single day that they've done that. And that person who's holding on to it is reliving it millions of times a day throughout their mind. So we're the only creature on this planet that holds on to non-forgiveness, right? We're the only creature that really punishes ourselves a million times over for something that someone else did or that something that we've done. So just because we've forgiven something and when we talk about forgiveness, that actually means that you're releasing the emotion. If that emotion still comes to the surface and you're feeling anger, resentment, guilt, or you're sad, or you start crying, that means that you've not forgiven. We can say that we've forgiven, but we in fact have not forgiven. That's still an imprint that is happening within our energy field. And it could be happening at the subconscious level. So you don't have to be surrounded with the person that has hurt you. You just need to be able to forgive it for yourself so that you can move forward and keep your power within you. How do you help people release that emotion, that toxicity, so they can forgive? Yeah, so that's why I do a lot of the trans work and I do neurolinguistic programming as well. I think it's really important that we are affecting change in the subconscious level. I think that it's important that we're also at the energy level because most of our disruptions that happen within our body are at our energy, our energetic level. And if we think about who we are as beings, we are electromagnetic beings. We are made of energy. And that is factual, that's scientific, that's an organized religion. There's no, there's no denying that we are made of energy. So the energy of who we are is the greatest disposition of who we are within us. So if we have an imprint or a disruption happening within our energy field, that is going to cause mental health issues, emotional health issues. When we think about anxiety, depression, all these things are related to our energy. So when someone is holding on to something, it's very important that I go to all layers in order to be able to, for them to actually fully release that imprint from their energy field. Can guilt or past trauma, can we hold on to that within our energy field so long that it actually causes physical disease within our, within our body? And can the act of forgiveness actually release that energy? Yep. Absolutely. And when we talk about healing, I just want to make it very clear that when we talk about healing, guiding others to heal, it doesn't mean that we're curing, right? It doesn't mean that we're curing an illness. It means that we're healing an aspect so that they can release it. And when someone has reoccurring breast cancer or has a reoccurring autoimmune disease or reoccurring depression, it's always something to do with their energy. There's always a disruption or an imprint happening in their energy field and within their energy chakras. So when we hold on to anger, we hold on to guilt, or we hold on to resentment, we then create that illness within our body. It's like, it's like we contain our emotions within our physical body. People end up getting hip pain. They'll get pressure on their heart. They'll feel like their neck is always super tense. They'll feel like their lower back is burning. All these things are to say that we're containing our emotion within our physical body. What if somebody has an illness that doctors can't figure out what's going on? And they keep going to doctor after doctor after doctor and no, and the doctors just can't figure it. And they're just saying it's all in your mind. Could that be something that is just with, they're holding on to some sort of anger or trauma or 
I ask, I'm asking that question correctly. Absolutely. You're, you're bang on Amy. So what ends up happening and when we hold on to those things, sometimes it doesn't actually show up in a test, right? Because it actually hasn't come to the physical level yet. It's happening at our energetic level where we feel very drained or we have this chronic pain and we can't fully understand what it is, but that is emotional containment. They can't see that on an MRI or a CAT scan. And that's why when we talk about traditional healing and shamanism is that we're able to actually find the disruption in the imprint. If you think about a medical intuitive, we're able to see where the, dis- I, I could physically look at you and see where there's energetic disruptions happening within your chakra system. So when we know that, it means that we're, we're holding on to something. So usually mm-hmm. when it's something to do with our chest, it's childhood trauma. It can be just something that was very a traumatic event, losing a loved one, where you just feel like you can't breathe or A lot of people feel like they're like, oh, I feel like the whole weight is on my chest. Well, that has to do with grief. That has to do with something that you haven't contended with from your childhood and something that has happened that is more catastrophic in your life. And I want to preface that trauma doesn't have to be something that was catastrophic. Trauma can be something that was little minute things over time or one word that was said, you're ugly when you were 15 years old and people carried that for 40 years. It could be something as simple as that, but that was traumatic to their emotional body. Yes, I totally agree with that because I have experienced that as well. Yes. Can you see spirit? Yes. Can you see spirit? Absolutely. I channel a lot. I think that when you're in the spiritual realm, you do channel a lot. So my channels come from different sources. I have different animal and spiritual guides and I see things, I see movements, I see frequencies, I see figures, but that doesn't always mean that those are my guys. Sometimes it's just energy that's trying to attach to me. I have a lot of energy that always tries to attach to me as we all mostly do. We mm-hmm. just don't feel it. And we just don't, we're not cognizant of that's what's happening. It's just like, when we think about radiation, you don't see radiation or you don't see air, but yet, you know, it's there. It's the same thing when it comes to energy. What about spirit animals? Yeah, spirit animal is one of my favorite things. <laughs> I love spirit animals. So spirit, our spiritual animals really are those that, it's funny because people we were like, well, what's my spiritual animal? I'm like, well, you have to go through a journey to find out. But <laughs> spiritual animals will always present themselves throughout your life. It'll be, maybe you always seen a horse your, your whole life, or you always gravitated towards a horse your entire life. Or maybe you really disliked an animal and you couldn't figure out why you disliked that animal. But I'll tell you right now, it's more than likely one of your spiritual animals is telling you something that you need to work on within yourself. So spiritual animals are incredible, incredible sources. And spiritual animals really can be those that have paths that have been in our vicinity, then become a spiritual animal. Okay. So they become an animal guide. They don't actually become a spiritual guide. So they become an animal guide. So, cause they're about to return back to the earth plane in a different vessel at some point. When we talk about spiritual guides, spiritual guides are those that are no longer returning to the earth plane, that they are done their essential periods and they're just staying in the energetic realms. That's pretty cool. I see that you're holding on to a feather. Can you explain? Um, yeah. yeah. It was given to me by my grandmother. It was just something, and I prettied it up over the years, but it, it's withering. <laughs> but it's my source of inspiration. I use a lot of this to be able to channel. It's just something that really just allows me to feel like my connections are close to me. I love it. You had mentioned earlier that you had four near death experiences. Why do you think that you are still here? Oh, (laughs) well, 
yeah, I know why I'm still here, but yeah, I didn't know when it first happened. So the first time when we went over a cliff, I was driving with a family friend of ours and here in Canada, we get a very tumultuous <laughs> winter. So yeah. we were driving in a snowstorm, we were about to go skiing and we were driving on an unfamiliar country back highway. And, and he was driving my vehicle and he had never driven my vehicle before. And we were going a little bit fast for the weather, but not fast for the zone where we were in. And all of a sudden in the highway, it was like a 90 degree cut in the highway. And one side was like a rock cliff and the other side was the actual cliff. And what ended up happening is the snow act like a ramp against the guardrail. So we ended up going, it was a 90 foot cliff and we ended up yeah, going over 90 feet and 50 feet airborne into the cliff. And I remember touching my angel that morning and I always touch everywhere I travel. And it was an angel that was gifted to me by one of my clients when she had wrote me a beautiful letter and she had gifted the, this crystal angel to me. And I always would touch her every time before I drive and just ask for a safe passage and a safe journey. And for some reason, I just couldn't get the connection. Something didn't feel right when I touched her. And I had this instinct the night before and I always usually follow my instincts in this sense and something told me not to go something told me that I shouldn't go that I should cancel and it was at one in or two in the morning and I was like I can't cancel last minute we were supposed to leave at six in the morning so I ended up going and I remember when I touched her in the morning I just had this awful feeling and I knew I knew we were going to get into a bad accident I just knew I knew the way he was driving everything I just knew and I was just trying to like center myself. Okay. Like you're thinking too much into this. Like trying to talk myself mm -hmm. out of it. So yeah, when we went over that cliff and the only thing that wasn't damaged out of the entire cliff, we ended up landing on a frozen lake and the vehicle obviously was starting to go into the lake because of the impact. And the only thing that wasn't injured was the driver, myself and this crystal angel, everything in the car was a write-off. When they were sweeping my vehicle out of the lake with this big boom tow track, we literally had missed a rock, massive rock boulder by like two millimeters. So if we would have landed on that, we would have been crushed instantly. And the police report, they were just so happy we we're alive. They thought for sure we were dead on scene. And he said the way that the car was, we were already facing left when we hit the ramp. It wasn't obviously like a perfect ramp, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. so we were already left facing. Technically, the whole vehicle should have rolled. We should have, we should have died. There was no way he, he couldn't, he couldn't fathom how we survived that. He was like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And, and it's funny because it's called Skeleton Bay. And so many people have died there. Like a lot, I don't think very many people have survived that like that corner so he was it was just astonishment and that's when I knew I'm like wow I, and I I had this shield around me I knew I, I've always known but it was almost like that reaffirmation that that shield was in fact there and I remember I had this dream since I was a little girl that I was going over a cliff since I was a little girl but it wasn't winter time it was summertime and I was going into this freshwater lake and I had that dream reoccurring oh I'd say over 300 times throughout my lifetime so when wow. that happened, it was like, oh, okay, I did that, done that. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> God, I don't have that dream again. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. For those who want to know, I mean, you are obviously a very spiritual person. You're a shaman, you're an energy healer, you're a light worker. What type of spiritual practice do you follow? My what own. Your own. 
I mean, what, what do you, what, what do you do? Do you, in the mornings, you, you get up, you get a cup of coffee, you, do you meditate? What, what type of things do you do that, that keep you grounded and allow yeah. you to be open? Yeah, I don't set myself a routine. I don't feel like our spirituality has to be routine. That's just my own belief system. I do whenever I feel inspired to do so or whenever I feel that I need to channel or connect. That's when I do it. I don't have a set time whenever I feel that I'm being drawn. That's when I do it. I just allow free flow to happen. I don't believe in having like a forced kind of routine in that sense. I believe that when I'm supposed to be connected, I will be connected. I love it. You're very seventh energy center as well. <laughs> I can tell. Heart center, seventh energy center. Yep. <laughs> very connected to people and the angels. Love it. So how can people find you, Roxanne? Yeah, absolutely. So anyone can find me on my website at www.roxannechapunt.com and all my social media handles are under that name as well. How can they work with you? Just through my website, connect with me. And I also have a lot of free content on my social media. So if there's anything that can help anyone through that avenue, that's incredible. And if you need something further, you can always contact me via my website. Is there anything else that you would like to leave with our listeners? I just want everyone to know that you just need to silence the noise and really just trust yourself, trust your purpose and trust your instincts and your intuition and don't veer from that. You know what you need to do. The answers are within and your light needs to be shined in this world, especially now. So if you're ready to serve humanity, humanity is ready to be served. Very well put. Well, let me ask you one other question that I ask everyone towards the end of the, the session. And if you had an opportunity to sit on a park bench with anyone, whether that person be on this side of the world or the other side of the veil, who would that person be? And what would you talk about? Mm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> have to be a real person. <laughs> no, no. Um, I would want to connect with an ancient Lumerian and just attain their wisdom and their knowledge and just sit in their energy field. <laughs> now you say a, a Humerian? A Lumerian. Lumerian. Yeah. What is a Lumerian? They were those that were known, they say it's fictional, but I don't believe so, that they brought light and love and peace to the world and that they were the light holders of the world. And I firmly believe that they were. Awesome. Well, Roxanne, thank you so much for joining us today and being on the show and sharing your light with us and your wisdom. And I just thank you. Thank I, you. I, I love your energy. And you. I will have your website and everything on the show notes. So if anybody would like to reach out with you, I hope that they do. And so thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.